Right now, I see myself as a mom and a leader together. I don't see it separate. I bring my daughter into everything that I do from her stories to, you know, she brings me joy to the highlights from the basketball game during the weekend is what I'll share with my peers at work. It's who I am. Leaders face challenges every single day. That's why Udemy Business is bringing you a new podcast called Leading Up. I'm Alan Todd, the host of Leading Up and Vice President of Udemy Business. In every episode, I have conversations with guests who share the inspiration, advice, and research you need to level up. Let's work, lead, and live differently. Earlier this season, we talked with positive leadership expert Kim Cameron and purpose-driven leadership expert Bob Quinn, both from the University of Michigan. This week on the podcast, we're talking to a guest who lives and breathes these values. Aaron Mara is the Vice President of Talent Management at BJ's Wholesale Club, a $17 billion per year retailer where she oversees learning and talent development for 35,000 people. Before that, she spent 19 years at Staples, ultimately becoming the head of learning and development. And importantly, she's also a mother to a daughter. We'll talk about how being a positive and purpose-driven leader can help navigate the world of business and parenthood. Aaron, welcome to the Leading Up podcast. Thanks, Alan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, great to have you. All right, let's get started. How do you go from, I suppose, high school graduate to college graduate to being a senior executive at a 35,000-person company. Tell us how you got there. Sure. So it's been quite a journey. I went to uh, Middlebury College in Vermont, which was an incredible experience. And at that time, I thought that I wanted to be a teacher. However, I had lots of bills to pay, student loans to pay. So I decided to take a job as an executive recruiter as an interim to make money so that I could pay off some of that student debt and then go back into teaching. However, I never actually did that. What happened was I worked as a recruiter. And in that time, I continued to have some great conversations with some Middlebury alumni and to help me you know, increase my resume and find ways to other avenues that I could continue to develop. And one of the Alumni had reached out to me and said, hey, one of my great friends is looking for someone at Staples. I think you would be perfect in that job. So that was the, the call that I received. And next thing you know, I worked for Staples and worked for an incredible leader. And I spent a large portion of my time at Staples, kind of the first quarter, 30% of my time working on driving the customer experience and really understanding the customer from their perspective, really truly understanding that experience. I did a lot on process improvement work. How do we help uh, to make that better? And then there was a point in time when I was in our market research team. I was really good at that. I think Marcus Buckingham talks about your strength isn't necessarily something that you're good at, but what inspires you. And I realized at that point in time that I was really great at data analytics, but it wasn't something that inspired me. What inspired me was working with others. And so from there, I moved over to run customer service, customer satisfaction in our retail stores for Staples. I became the director of customer satisfaction. And that was a, an incredible experience where I spent about five years there working and training and helping our team members in our stores to drive 
customer service. And that was another pivotal part of my career where I had a regional vice president. I remember just like it was yesterday, tell me after a presentation, hey, Aaron, that's really great, but we don't believe you. And at that point in time, I, I paused and said, but the data tells you that this is the, the truth. And he said, we don't believe you. So what do I need to do to, to make you believe? And he said, you need to put yourself in our shoes and you need to understand it from our perspective. And that was a kind of a, a, another pivotal part of my career where I realized that I needed to really understand the whole, their experience and the associate's experience. And so I spent a ton of time in the field after that. I realized that this is another thing that I love to do is to help develop and understand and make those personal deep connections so that I can help shift the behavior. But I really had to listen and understand what they experienced every day before I could understand how to leverage that data to make the experience better. So at that point in time, I realized that my calling was really in the learning and development space and the talent development space. This is what I love to do. And I was fortunate that have the opportunity about 10 years ago to move into the director of learning and development for retail, which was an incredible experience. I was super fortunate that I had such great mentors that allowed and took a risk on me. And from there, my, my career kind of continued to, to mushroom. And I then was the director of learning for our sales team. And then I took on customer service. The next thing you know, I was leading learning for Staples. And it was an extraordinary experience. And I'm truly blessed to have the opportunity to have such an incredible network that helped teach me all those skills and helped to encourage me and support me along the way as I continued to learn the learning and talent space. And now I'm at BJ's. I've been here for about four years and I lead all of talent management. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Yeah, beautiful. So I'm wondering, you think there was a connection between wanting to be a teacher and ultimately ending up in learning development? Is that a connection? 100%. Yeah. No question about it. It's something that it's who I am. I love to teach. I love to help others grow and develop. I love to listen and understand how things can be done differently. I'm an extremely curious person. Those are kind of all critical qualities of being a teacher. I'm a continuous learner, someone that always likes to learn all the time. So definitely. Yep. All right. So I read a CBS report that said nearly 3 million mothers dropped out of the workforce since the pandemic. And I've read lots of stuff about why it is so rare that women are in leadership positions, right? Leading large organizations. You're in a senior leadership position. You're in a very large organization. And I'm just wondering what challenges did you encounter, you know, and how did you defy all the odds to get where you are today from the perspective of a, of a woman business leader? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely have experienced a lot of challenges and I've continued to remain optimistic and, and resilient. I'll just give you a couple right off that I'm thinking of, but I mean, you don't think about these things when you have children, when, you know, you're at work and you realize that you have to leave to go get your child from daycare. And I remember there was one time when I was driving back and a tractor trailer overturned on the highway and the highway shut down. Now, for any of you that have had kids in daycare know that there's usually a time when you have to pick your children up by six o'clock in my situation. And I wasn't going to get there by six. I couldn't get off the highway. And so what do you do? You just start calling everyone you know. And that's what I did. And I was fortunate to have a neighbor pick up the phone and she was able to go get my daughter. And, you know, that's one experience. I have another where, you know, 
I was like, after that, I thought maybe moving my daughter closer to work and I was an hour away. So I put her in a daycare center near, near work. Well, that didn't work out so well when I was stuck in traffic for two hours and she's crying and screaming and we had gone through all of our stacks and realized that this is not easy, but I am going to remain optimistic. I'm going to find a different avenue. I'm going to continue to persevere. And those are all learning opportunities that I, I look back and I reflect on. It made me stronger. It made us stronger. And you realize that, you know, you have to rely on a, on a community. Yeah, I guess they don't teach that in college or there's no manual that says that you have to do those things. So I'm wondering, how did you come to see yourself as a mom and a business leader? And did you did you ever have to make trade-offs about, you know, one versus the other? Was that was that a struggle at all? Right now, I see myself as a mom and a leader together. I don't see it separate. I bring my daughter into everything that I do from her stories to, you know, she brings me joy to the highlights from the basketball game during the weekend is what I'll share with my peers at work. It's who I am. But that did not happen from the beginning. I think when I was early on in my career, I definitely separated work and life more definitively. And during the pandemic, when my daughter was here, you know, taking classes over Zoom, and I was here, and our lives blended together, it was that point in time where I realized that this is what I want, is that to have both together. And that's kind of something that I've continued to, to try to maintain. She makes me a better person, and I learned so much from her, and it's reflecting in those moments as a mom with her that has made me a better leader, honestly. And that's something that I think I wouldn't have been more aware of unless I didn't really reflect and, and realize uh, how much she has impacted me as a leader. So did that, did it take a pandemic to get you there or did it take 20 years of experience to get you there? What, what was the catalyst? It was probably both, but I think the pandemic highlighted and maybe put more emphasis on that. And I truly believe that during the pandemic, she and I had some incredible conversations that helped me realize that she is making me a better person and she's making me a better leader and that, you know, both of us together help each other grow. And that's something that I will continue to carry on every day. Yeah. So that's really inspiring, particularly for our folks that are early career and either thinking about having kids right now. I'm wondering if you have any advice just on the, this idea of parenting and the, the choices that you have to make and the trade-offs between work, life, and personal life balance, and, and now in a new hybrid world, how have they changed? Yeah, a, a few things. One is you need to define success for yourself. Early on in my career, I was measuring my success by others. Every one of us is different. And you need to understand that we, we need to understand that success to me is different than success to all of you. And that changes daily, monthly, yearly. But I had to reflect on what that meant for me. And whether that was making sure I was home for dinner or making sure that, you know, I was packing her lunch in the morning with food that I wanted to give her. But these are just examples of things that I had to really figure out what, what success was for me, because in the beginning, I was comparing myself to others and I should not have done that. The other thing I would say is be present. That's something I think during the pandemic that I was more hypersensitive to is that in the moment when you're helping with homework, it's being in the moment. The other thing I'll share is just you don't realize the model 
that you are for your children until they start repeating things. And I just wanted to share something with all of you, but my daughter during the pandemic, and my daughter's 12 now, so this was probably when she was you know, 10, put together a presentation on leadership. And the things that she highlighted were all about being open-minded, being positive, teamwork. And she even took the word brave and said, believe, respect, awesome, victory, and excited. And we talk a lot about in our family, you need to believe, you need to have a dream, you need to believe in yourself, you need to respect others. So when you have goals, shout from the rooftops to your victorious that you have those victories and get excited. I'm an extremely passionate person and, and that excitement is contagious. And so for her to do that and realize that what I'm doing every day, the positive leadership that I preach and that I just share is being modeled and she hears it and she's putting it on paper. And even she put on here that when she takes a break from soccer or basketball, she goes to her coach every day and asks them, what can I do better? And that's a mantra that I continue to reinforce is, you know, what can we do better? What can I do better tomorrow than I am today? And so that's the last thing I would add is you are a model. They see every day what you do, what you say and how you act. And just to be aware of that, because you can make a massive difference. Wow. So powerful. And you said something when you first started talking about the traffic jams and all these troubles, you said, even in, in the face of all that, you're like, I have to stay positive. And then when you talk about your daughter, you said she came up with something about being positive. And I want to talk about the topic of positive leadership because, you know, you and I both know University of Michigan professor Kim Cameron. He's written books on the topic, teaches courses, and you've run them at BJ's and taken these things and, and been, you know, a practitioner. And he's conducted this research for decades on positively energizing leaders. And I've seen you at work for the last decade and a half at, at the last two organizations. And to me, you're the textbook definition of a, of a positively energizing leader. So it's great. Now, how did you figure this out? How did you first, how did you come to discover what energizes you? Yeah, lots of great questions there. As you know, Alan, I've been a, a huge proponent of this and I follow Kim Cameron and, and Sean Acor and read all of their books, but I didn't really become a believer until I started to see it in action and started to see my daughter utilizing some of the strategies that, you know, I was implementing. And that's when I became a believer. And, you know, I think how I found out what energized me was doing a lot of self-reflection and a lot of really understanding, you know, why do I have energy at the end of the day versus tomorrow or yesterday? Maybe I didn't have energy at the end of the day. And, and why is that? And really understanding what those positive sources of energy are. It took lots of reflection and several years to figure that out. It's a tough exercise because you really have to unpack it. You have to really understand, well, what makes that positively energizing for me personally, and that's going to differ for each person. And is that truly what's generating that energy or is there something under the surface and do I have to peel back the onion to do that? So definitely through self-exploration, I, I was able to really identify what gives me energy every day, but it's something that's hard to define, but you need to take the time to do it. So I'm wondering if you could talk about what did you conclude around what brings you positive energy? Like an example, something you did. Sure. A great example is connections. I think that identifying positive relationships and building those connections is something that I've realized 
drives energy for me. And it's those deep personal connections. I think it's Sean Acor that shared, and then I do this best practice, you know, in the morning, I'll text a friend and thinking of you or, hey, this article made me think of you to make those connections. I'm back in the office. I'm realizing that I have to continue to maintain those strong personal connections. And they might look different, might be a phone call into the office, might be a text, as I shared before. But it's something, it's a habit that I've had to start because it makes me a better person. And it gives me energy when I'm able to make those connections. Yeah. And as Kim Cameron says, you know, of course, you can always hear it in, in theory, but in theory, right? He'll say scores and scores of study tell us that if you do what you just did, not only does it bring some joy and happiness to the other person, but it brings even more joy and happiness to yourself. And so by practicing that, I mean, you're kind of proving it out yes. in your world. So you, you've said something to me in the past that you know what gives you energy and you reflected on this and, and you sort of learn to harness it as a power, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you've also said that you don't believe that most people truly know what gives them energy, which I'm kind of taken aback by that. Tell me why you have come to that view that most people haven't figured this out. Why not? And how can they? I think it's a reflection where that source of energy might change too as your life situations change. What's giving me energy now maybe was different than 15 years ago. And And I had to really unpack that and figure out, is it the connection? Is it by having a meeting, is that giving me energy? Or is it really connecting with someone personally and learning more about them that's giving me the energy? So it's really diving a little more deeply into that source of the energy so you can figure out how to recreate it. I always knew exercise was critical for me to maintain that positive energy. But what I've realized that I just need 15 minutes. I don't need 45 an hour. Yeah, if I can get it, amazing. But 15 minutes is is what I need. Another great example is, you know, my daughter gives me energy. I, I'll, I'll talk about her throughout this podcast because she does. But if any of you have a preteen child, it's to get them captivated is challenging, right? So you might have to figure out how to switch that source of energy. So it's not about not knowing your energy source. It's really more about how do you reflect on that energy source and maybe modify it to fit the needs of your life at that time. Yeah. So when you're reflecting, that's another sort of really important, one of the the meta skills, right, is thinking, metacognition, thinking about one's own thinking, but reflecting on that. And and I want to get your take on purpose-driven leadership. So Bob Quinn was on the podcast. He's written books, right, taught you, others at BJ's run programs with Bob about purpose-driven leadership and all of the sort of the crazy benefits of it. So have you reflected on your purpose as a leader? Yeah, Bob Quinn is is incredible. And he definitely is an inspiration and helped to inspire me to really define my purpose through questions like, you know, what drives you? What gives you energy? What gets you excited every day when you come home and reflect? What are those activities that you're so proud of and that generate joy? All of those questions are really hard to answer, and it has been a series of reflection to really figure that out. And at the end of the day, I get energy by helping others to flourish. And it's not me sharing wisdom with them. It's helping to shape the environment that they're in so that they can learn themselves or ask questions so that they can help to figure out maybe a different direction to move or how to make it better. 
or on the basketball court. I'm a coach, soccer and basketball. And it's seeing those children grow, but helping them to, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Or what if you try this? Or, you know, continue to seek the encouragement and see them flourish, uh, to see others grow and develop through your leadership is something that is my purpose. And it's something that I've, over time, have realized that this is why I love to do what I do. It's because I love helping others continue to grow and develop and to continue to really be there, help them to become their best self through self-discovery. Yeah. And so I can sort of connect these dots from I'm going to be a teacher to I'm in learning and development to coaching kids basketball. And, And I think Bob Quinn says that for all of us, that there's a purpose deep inside of us. And it's it's really about sort of chiseling away the stone because it's in there. You don't have to find it. It's within you. I'm wondering the way you described things that give you energy kind of change over time. So you should reflect on that. Your purpose seems more sort of bedrock foundational. Have you found that to be, does that feel that way to you? Yes, it, it definitely is. And, and I look back over the past you know 20 year c- career and you know, every project that I've done that has given me inspiration is something along that has followed this purpose. I remember once, even right out of college, uh, someone asked if I would coach a lacrosse team. I knew nothing about lacrosse. But what I did know is, is how to coach and how to develop people and how to help guide them so that they can continue to, to improve. And I loved it. I loved it. I had no idea, what, you know, the how the skill itself, but I, I was able to help them and help them grow. And so, yes, I completely agree. My purpose has stayed the same. I didn't know what it was in the beginning of my career. Now it's much more defined. But every role that I've had that has given me that joy was because it was following this purpose. The roles that I was deflated in, was they were not following this purpose, which is why I felt such a depletion of energy. Yeah. So I think it's just important for people to take away for listeners. If if you don't know what brings you positive energy, if you don't know your purpose, most people don't, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard. These are not, this isn't like, like Bob Quinn, you, you don't just say like, what brings me energy and write down three things and like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And write, you know, and then it's all done. No, it's something that you have to spend time on and practice and think and reflect to gain the wisdom to be able to see that picture. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, my advice there would just be, you know, self-reflection is critical. But the other thing that I have found, you know, at, at night, I, I will do a lot of self-reflection. And if I'm really, you know, energized, look and assess what what I do, what did I do today that, that gave me that energy. And over time, you'll start to see trends and start to realize what those themes are. And then I ask a lot of people, my team, I'm constantly seeking feedback and asking my team, you know, what is my superpower? Why, what do you see that I am doing differently? Or what do you see that inspires you that I can do? And through that feedback has also, you know, helped me to really define that purpose. So not only self-reflection, but seek feedback from others. Your community is powerful and it will help you continue to grow as well. Yeah, love it. Great advice on purpose, driven leadership. We'll be back after a short break. Stay with us. The buzz around Gen AI isn't going anywhere. 
Leaders and managers are key to identifying how their companies can use the technology and creating a plan to grow their employees' skills. Learn how Udemy can help at business.udemy.com forward slash GenAI now. All right, let's do a little uh, a little lightning round with Aaron Mara. Okay. So the path to the C-suite role is not easy, right? So we've talked about these things that are fundamental to getting you into senior executive positions, large companies with big responsibilities, doing really interesting things. We've talked about that from the perspective of being a woman business leader, which is difficult. And I want to get some of your leadership principles, things that got you there. And one of the things I've heard you talk about is kind of thinking bigger. So tell me, like putting your CEO hat on, something above your function. What is that all about? What have you done? Give me an example. Sure. So early on in my career at Staples, I was fortunate to be exposed to a lot of kind of process improvement, systems thinking work. And that really created a foundation for me to think as a systems thinker. So when I see problems, I don't see a piece. I see, you know, the system and where could we solve what is really the root cause of that problem? And and maybe we haven't defined that root cause yet. So I continue to see opportunities at a strategic level. I received encouragement early on from my first leader is I've always been bold. And he told me once that you should always be bold. If you believe it, do it. Seize the opportunity if you have it. And I've always taken that advice. And I am bold and I continue to think big. My team will tell me, well, that's not possible. No, let's try it. Let's do it. If no one's done it, let's be the trailblazers. Always really figuring out what we're trying to solve, what problem we're trying to solve is the question I ask all the time. And if there isn't a solution that works, let's create it. Let's build it. Sky's the limit. I am a firm believer in identifying and solving that problem. And my team always, they know that we're continuing to raise the bar. We're never satisfied. There's always something bigger and better. So yeah, think bold, be bold, think big is definitely a mantra that I've continued to emphasize. Love it. Be bold, think big, solve for bigger things that haven't been done, question why, and and go after the big things. Yeah. All right. Talk about the importance of getting a sponsor, a mentor. Has that played a role in your leadership journey? It has. And for me, as I reflect, I have been fortunate to have several different roles across many different departments. And the big reason why I was able to do that was because I sought after roles, role models from outside my department as a sponsor, someone who I could really look to for not only advice, but someone that I could ask questions, someone that would be open to providing me feedback on a presentation that might be completely outside of their department, but it's something that will impact them. And someone that's senior enough that has the influence. And I've had quite a few sponsors over my career, and that has been critical to my success. They've provided a different viewpoint. They've provided some great ideas and thoughts. They've provided inspiration and and, and encouragement. And so that is something that I've continued to maintain. And and I have a sponsor today at, at BJ's as well that I sought after. And it's something that I would 
strongly recommend. It's really important uh, to have someone outside your department to be an advocate for you, but to also be someone that you can go to for feedback, questions. Yeah. So it's great that we get your wisdom now. Like, how did you read this in a book? Like, I guess get a sponsor, not in your function, but somewhere else. Like, how did you figure this out? Is this part of being bold and dreaming bigger? Yeah, I no, I never did not read this in the book. This was <laughs> a technique that I learned early on that for me to drive the projects in my department, you needed to be able to understand and influence others. And to do that, you needed to understand what others are experiencing and why your work matters to them. In order to do that, you need to ask. And so it started out by really asking other leaders of feedback from my work and getting their advice and their thoughts. And then I realized that what I was actually doing was I was developing a sponsor in the process, not even realizing that I was doing this, but I was leveraging leadership for more, not only for feedback, but for getting their perspective. If my role was to help launch training, then I needed you know, to see their point of view. I needed their input. I needed what they think we should do so that it would be successful. So it really was more out of how do we drive success as a company and influencing others to enable that to happen that I realized that I was actually building sponsors in the process. Yeah. Companies have formal mentoring programs, but you didn't wait around for any of that. No. You reach out, you go out, they don't all work. And there's there's value for you. There's value for them. You're making the business better, you know, so all, all of that. Let's expand that concept now to building a, a personal network. Talk about the importance of a personal network. Where does that fit? It's been extremely critical, especially as I kind of transitioned to that learning and development space. And I reached out to my network to say, hey, many of the leaders that I had known that were you know, in the C-suite at other companies, I wanted to learn from their learning and development teams. And everyone was so gracious and, and connected me to a lot of the leaders in that space. Next thing you know, it's ballooning again, and I'm connected to others in the space. And I have been really fortunate to have met some of the best and the brightest in the talent and learning space, but it all has been through my network. The key to building that network is seeing those opportunities where you should connect with someone. I was having a meeting with someone, seeing if he wanted to interview for a role, and he talked to me about his mentor. And I thought to myself, I need to meet this mentor. So what did I do is I went on LinkedIn, I found him and I said, hey, we have a mutual friend. Can we connect? Next thing you know, eight years later, he and I are incredibly great friends and we share a lot of best practices with each other and we help each other. And so in this space, you don't know until you reach out, until you make those connections. But I will also share, though, you need to maintain those connections. And so oftentimes on my, you know, text during the mornings or sharing my emails of gratitude, you know, I will reach out to those connections. If I could summarize, Aaron, your think bigger and you're building a network and finding a sponsor in every example, be bold seems like the common thread through all of them. You reached out, you're proactive. All right, let's get to the final question that we ask all our guests on the show. What are you curious about and learning now? I'm curious about how to help be a better mom for a teenager, especially one that has a phone. How do you continue to, to keep them engaged and making sure that they are 
you know, showing empathy, displaying empathy, making sure they continue to express gratitude, you know, all the things that we talk about. That's something that I am continuously curious about. I was reading an article about it last night. I want to make sure that I raise an incredible child that has and displays a lot of these amazing characteristics. That's something that I'm curious about and I continue to try to get better at. Aaron Mara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Leading Up, a podcast from you to me. Want to hear more from amazing leaders? Follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, such as Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. That way you never miss an episode. I hope you learned something new from this episode. If you did, please leave a review in your favorite podcasting app or share this episode with a friend or colleague. We love to share the wealth of knowledge. To learn more about Leading Up or how Udemy can help you close skill gaps and move business forward, visit business.udemy.com. The Leading Up podcast is produced by Udemy in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Alex Vickmanis, Amy Machado, Brian Rivers, Danielle Roth, and Carter Wogan. Our original theme is by Soundboard. <laughs>